to episode 5 of Seriously Simple T4 Training. I'm your host, Leigh Axon, sitting in my office in sunny Sunland. I uh, hope you're well, and I uh, hope you've had a good week so far. We're officially on hump day. A um, little shout-out straight away to those people that have been subscribing on iTunes. I've got over 120 subscriptions now, so uh, that's just on iTunes. Obviously, I can monitor what's going on on the website as well. And uh, things are going really, really well. So I really appreciate you guys listening in. Got uh, quite a busy show for you today. I'm sure I'll try and get run. Uh, I'll put my false teeth in. I'll try and run through it as, uh, as quick as I can. I've got quite a lot to get through, as I say. Um, I'm going to be defining what an expert is. I'm going to be talking about warming up principles and why we should. Um, I'm going to be talking about protein timing and uh, the body's requirement to switch on protein synthesis and what that means. I've got a couple of questions to answer about uh, when to take protein and other supplements to consider. I'm going to have a little bit uh, about optimal sleep patterns, why it's important. Uh, I'm going to talk about coming out of the comfort zone. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, overtraining. I'm also going to touch on steroids and I'm going to touch on lazy people. Okay, so I'm not going to keep you all day. I'm just going to touch on them, and if anybody wants anything further, uh, they can get in touch with me at info at t4training.co.uk. Okay, so um, defining an expert, that I'm just going to touch on this quickly in that because uh, you know I've, I've spent the week sort of trying to defend myself in one or two social media forums because I've been called out for uh, calling myself an expert. Uh, and I am an expert. I'm an expert in lots of things. Uh, I'm an expert in Street Fighter 2, for example. The reason I'm an expert in Street Fighter 2 is I've been playing it since 1991. I've won championships in it. I've been in magazines. I was the eighth best video game player in Britain in 1992. I'm an expert in it. I'm also an expert in nutrition. The reason I'm an expert in nutrition is because for the past 30 years, I've been experimenting and following uh, protocols of eating and different diets and stuff and researching things and, and making videos and talking about it. And I've been a successful bodybuilder on stage before and I've prepped numerous people, blah, blah, blah. But it's still apparently I'm not an expert. And the reason I'm apparently I'm not an expert is because I don't have an official professorship in being a dietitian or anything like that. Well, so what? So I thought I'd go to uh, the expert of choice in respect of uh, where we look digitally for information, and that's obviously Google. So just to define an expert uh, from Google's perspective, uh, an expert is a person who is very knowledgeable about or skillful in a particular area. For example, an expert in healthcare or somebody having or involving a great deal of knowledge or skill in a particular area. <coughs> So, possibly put that one to bed. When it comes to the information I'm giving you, um, I've researched everything. I'm not just making it up. I do regard myself as an expert, and it's things that have worked for me and things that you can trust. Okay? So, if I just pop that one to bed, you are listening to an expert, in my opinion.
and Google's obviously. Okay, let me just have a quick drink of this ice water. It's not uh, it's not Jack Daniels today, I'm afraid. It's currently quarter to four on Wednesday afternoon. I'm going to be back in the gym at five o'clock. So, um, warming up. I want to talk about warming up and why it's important. And the reason um, I want to talk about it is that, you know, I'm in the gym in the morning at five to six waiting for my first client. And uh, this has been the case for years. You'll see people come straight into the gym, for example, dive straight on the, the lap, pull down on the chest press and start banging out reps. That's so dangerous, guys. It is so dangerous because you might feel ready mentally, but certainly at any age and as we get older, our bodies don't respond and they don't repair as good as they used to when we were younger. And I know for the past couple of years, I've got a few aches and pains I didn't used to have when I was younger. And uh, I always like to warm up before doing any sort of physical exertion. And we get taught that in our personal training qualification as well, uh, you know, some dynamic stretches. The old, I suppose, aerobic style, uh, Jane Fonda style stretches. What we've got to do is prepare the body mentally. We've got to stretch out the ligament. Oh, there's a siren. Hey, wouldn't you believe I'm in Sunland? Got to stretch out the ligaments, you know, loosen off the muscles and prepare our body for a, a potential onslaught. And that'll be the same when you go to any classes as well. I know I was in a class this morning and, you know, there's other classes on. And uh, a good instructor will always take you through a, a warm-up process. There's another reason for the warm-up as well, okay? And there's a, there's a fluid in your body called synovial fluid. And what happens when we do a warm-up, such as a five-minute uh, fast-paced walk on the treadmill or the row, for example, the synovial fluid is released into the body. And it's there to protect the joints and the ligaments and the tendons and stuff. So it's a, it's a real thing. I suppose you could imagine... The analogy I use with a lot of people, oh, there's another siren. What a great place to live. Come on, guys. There you go. Um, the analogy I like to use is that, you know, especially in the winter time, you don't just go and put the key in your car, rev the tits off it, and then drive away. What do you do? You let the car warm up. You let it come to an optimal working temperature because you know then when you pull away, Everything, the oil is going to be warm. Everything in the engine is going to perform better. There's going to be less chance of that en engine getting injured, if you know what I'm saying. So that's why we warm up. So all my clients do a five-minute warm-up, and that's the same with Nisha as well. And it's something you should consider yourself. Don't just walk into the gym feeling I'm ready to go because I tell you now that's how injuries has happened, and I've had injuries that way as well. So five minutes out of your day is nothing. You'll get a better uh, pump from it. Uh, you'll be, your body will be protected more, you'll get a better workout, and your recovery rate will be uh, much better as well, okay? So warming up, a few little tips there. You'll have that one for free. Okay, so protein timing. Okay, so I've had a, a, a detailed email from uh, Rich Alderson, and if anybody's following me on social media, different formats, I've recently um, popped up a little 10-second intro of our logo and animation. Rich Alderson uh, has worked in Hollywood movies and the TV uh, arena as well and uh, I met him recently he's a fantastic uh, graphics artist etc and uh, we're going to be doing some more work coming up soon so uh, he took a shot at the logo and sent me this great animation but he also on the back of it uh, had a couple of questions <clears throat> and his question was more around uh, intake of protein uh, before or after training maybe as well other supplements that should be considered as well 
and uh, you know should he take in protein after he's done his boxing training or just weights and if you look back on previous um, podcasts I think on podcast one I did talk a little bit about supplements but I'll talk a little bit about more than uh, talk a little bit more about them now just for you Rich but certainly thanks for sending that question in so protein you know I bang on about protein all the time um, your muscle cells are made of protein and essential fatty acids and protein is the one of the two uh, main essential macronutrients in the body. The third being carbohydrates, but we've touched on that. Carbs isn't essential. So what protein does is it helps rebuild uh, the muscle fibers that we break down through physical and strenuous exercise. So protein uh, timing, um, from my perspective and from everything I've read and talked to other uh, industry experts about, uh, really should be consumed in a sort of a liquid form within 30 minutes of, of training. Now, if you imagine you come into the gym and you do some physical exertion and at the start of the gym, you're a wet sponge. If you work hard enough, you are now a dry sponge at the end of that. Okay, All the goodness out of the sponge, all the, the moisture, all the wet has been wrung out. The sponge is dry. And what we need to do is we need to wet that sponge again. That's exactly the same with the body. We exert enough energy in that we, um, you know, we burn off our fat sources, our, our carbs, and our protein sources. We deplete the muscles of glycogen if, it's, if you've got a good resort re, re, um, reserve of there. And the body, in order to repair the damage that you've done, requires protein. So you're not actually building muscle, if you remember, when you're in the gym. All you're doing is stimulating the change that you're after. The building is done through nutrition and rest. When you finish your workout, your body is now in a, an absolute state of shock and it requires protein as quick as possible. So you've got two options. Firstly, you could take in um, like a protein meal, such as a chicken or a fish or eggs or something like that. And that's great. It'll make you feel full. Um, but the... Two seconds. Good old Windows trying to restart. Sorry about that. Um, I feel like Windows takes over your time. So you could take in um, a protein meal, but the problem with that is that the body um, can only sort of um, take in about eight grams, process eight grams of protein uh, per hour. If it's in a whole food state, the benefit of taking a protein shake in, certainly in water, is it's assimilated straight into the body um, within about 15 or 20 minutes. But this this window of opportunity that you have uh, to take protein in after training um, is very short. Science dictates it's probably a maximum of 60 minutes. And what happens within that period of time is that your body needs protein. It needs a, a metabolic switch turned on and protein turns that switch on. If you don't do that within about 60 minutes, the body effectively looks at itself and it says, right, I need protein, uh, also known as amino acids. Where can I find them? Ah, okay. So we've got some in the living muscle tissue already. So what I'll do is I'll just feed myself with that. It's called a catabolic process. It's basically the body cannibalizing itself, cannibalizing itself. So it's an absolute waste of time, you know, you coming to the gym and, you know, doing high intensity work and then not feeding your body immediately. And I had a, um, <clears throat> a client this morning 
And, you know, she still cannot get her head around this. And I've been working with her for months and that and months and months and months and still struggles to, to get this through her head because she's from an, an old school of uh, chain of thought, um, which is basically Weight Watchers, if I'm honest with you. And uh, she trained with me this morning at six o'clock. We finished at five to seven. Her next meal was going to be at midday. So we had yet another conversation about that uh, catabolic process, etc. Thankfully, she sent me a photo within about 25 minutes of some scrambled egg. It's better than nothing. She didn't have any protein powder uh, in the house. So protein, vitally important within 15 to maximum, I would say, 30 minutes of you finishing your workout. And what I generally do is when I come to the gym, I've got my protein shake already made whizzed up at home uh, it's in my shaker put a few ice cubes in there and then by the time i'm finished training it's lovely and cool okay so other supplements to consider certainly uh, if you're looking to put some size on okay that's for women as well mainly in women because uh, nisha has been on creatine as well when she was uh, you know in competition mode yeah, creatine is great you take it with uh, quite a bit of water and what that is, is it's a cell volumizer. Okay, so it makes your muscle cells hold more water, essentially. So it gives that, uh, that extra size and depth to your muscles, okay? Uh, creatine is provided naturally in the body. It's produced in the liver, and it's used for explosive movements. We do, provi we do provide it to ourselves naturally, but it only has a lifespan of a few seconds. Um, so if we take in creatine as an external supplement, it does provide us with a little bit of extra resource. Okay, so that's a really important one. And I would say probably out of all your supplements, that would be the main one I would consider rich. You know, I don't believe uh, essentially in gallons and gallons of um, amino acid drinks. Although, you know, they're okay to drink in between workouts if you're running at a high intensity. Uh, and I certainly don't believe in um, pre-workout majority of them are just stimulant based and your body will plateau your brain will plateau and after a short while you're going to need something stronger so hope that answers your question and refreshes everybody's mind protein is vital after training okay so uh, that brings me on to my um next subject about sleep and um, i'm a little bit different to a lot of people i don't generally need a lot of sleep and it's just through years of well, I suppose the, the, the way my body's adapted to my lifestyle. Um, optimal sleep patterns, um, according to you know different doctors and research, suggest that we should be looking for eight to nine hours of uh, rapid eye movements. That's REM sleep per night. Eight to nine hours is a lot of time out of your day. Okay. The reason they suggest that is for this word optimal. Okay, so for the body to operate at its optimal level, we should be looking at eight to nine hours. However, there is a difference between optimal and what's actually needed. So for me, for example, I only need five hours sleep. I'm up at five to four most mornings. I'm not really turning off until about half, 10, 11 o'clock. So for me, I can get by my full day on five hours. That's what I need. Okay, so maybe it's not optimal, but that's what I need. If I start falling below five hours, then that's when I start to feel tired, have cognitive issues, you know, I don't operate as well. So you need to find out what your optimal sleep pattern is against your, um, what you, you only really need. And I would suggest, you know, you try and find a happy balance in there. <clears throat> and the reason I'm mentioning this is because, 
you know, speaking to a lot of people just in conversation sort of over the years, etc. And certainly recently, it's a continuous conversation about people in the morning who can't prepare food, who can't get up for breakfast. And the reason they say that is that they don't have enough time. You've got the same amount of hours in the day that I've got, and so I don't get why you don't have enough time. And these are people which, you know, work in just normal jobs, etc. You know, they're not an early bird like me. The reason they haven't got enough time is because they're lazy and they need what they feel is the maximum amount of sleep possible. Okay, they'll sleep in, and you could be one of them. You'll keep hitting snooze, 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 snooze. This is where people fall down, okay? Because you're losing the potential benefits of getting all the right nutrition into your body throughout uh, a more waking part of the day. You know, what on earth 15, 20, extra 25 minutes is going to do for you, I have no idea. Once you're up, you're up. And what you need to do is break that habit, okay? Now, what I used to do when I was uh, training, you know, back in my younger days, and I used to put an alarm clock in the bathroom. So when that used to go off, to switch it off, I had to go in the bathroom. When I went to the effort of getting up, then I was in the bathroom. You know yourself, the first thing you want to do in the morning is go to the toilet. So I was in there, and, and those extra few seconds of traveling and walking were like, well, I'm up now, I might as well stay up. And that's how I learned to, to get into a, a regime of being able to get up early. <clears throat> the thing with not getting enough sleep, though, is that you increase your cortisol levels, okay? And cortisol is a stress hormone, and the stress hormones of cortisol can lead to fat storage, and they can lower the growth hormone levels that your body naturally produces and the growth hormone levels are a fat burning and a muscle building hormone. So if you get too little sleep, then you're in danger of becoming stressed out. You'll know you don't function well at work. But I think if you get too much sleep, the actual benefit in your day is hardly noticeable or negligible. It's just that instance where you've decided to lay in bed longer, you're warm and cozy, but what are you missing out on? You know, there's the amount of people which will book into classes at, uh, at the gym that we work at, not just Nisha's class, with great intentions and they don't turn up. And when we speak to them, we're like, oh, I was sleeping in bed. You don't really need that. So I think what people need to do is look at actually optimal sleep versus what they need and try and find that happy balance. Get yourself up. It's still the summer. Get out. Get in the gym. Just get up and start doing stuff. You're wasting your life in bed, you know. The body you've got at the moment, maybe you want to wake up calling you guys. You're going to die in that body at some point, okay? And I guarantee you, at the end of your life, you'll look back and you'll go, I wish I had another life. I wish I could have done more with that life. You've got that opportunity now. It's great to see six o'clockers every morning coming at the gym regardless, okay? Let's see more of them. Okay, good. So, comfort zone. To talk about the comfort zone. <clears throat> I came out of my comfort zone numerous times in life when it comes to the gym and training, and uh, I come out of it again today. I, um, I went to a class uh, at 6.15 this morning because I had a cancellation of a client. So I went to Nisha Fit, and you can uh, you can see what Nisha Fit and uh, Nisha's other three classes. So she's got four classes all together, exercise for less, which are free on uh, t4training.co.uk forward slash blog. Um, so I went to Nisha Fit this morning, which is a, um, a weight lifting class centered around one minute work, 15 seconds off. I'll tell you now, I was knackered. 
absolutely knackered and I'm a strong person and I like to say I'm fit. The reason I was knackered is because I took myself out of the comfort zone. That's not the sort of thing I'll do. Okay, It's not the sort of thing which excites me, even though I know the benefits of it. But I took myself out of the comfort zone and I challenged myself. And the way I challenged myself was because I took weights that were challenging to me. Weights are all relative. You know, some people feel just by lifting very small weights that they're not being competitive with the world. But, you know, everybody starts on small weights. So I was absolutely knackered after 45 minutes. Um, and, and I found it, you know, eye-opening that there was possibly a level of fitness which I needed to tap into. So I've decided to, to continue to do this uh, class every Wednesday morning. Uh, like I said, 6.15. And any of my regular clients that's listening, anybody that's listening who's a member of Exercise for Wrestling and us think they're joining, I thoroughly recommend going to that class. Or going to an activity that is not your normal and i did this again a couple of years ago i did a, a stint in crossfit because i didn't really know anything about crossfit i tell you what that was a wake-up call that was a wake-up call the guys at crossfit sr1 in there suddenly are fantastic great training and uh something different all the time the point i'm trying to make here is that if it doesn't challenge you it doesn't train you uh, change you sorry okay if it doesn't challenge you it doesn't change you. So try and come out of your comfort zone and break that plateau. The amount of people, again, that I see in different gyms over the years and certainly in recent times come in, they do the exact same routine every single day. Nothing changes. Machine to machine to machine or, you know, I don't know, I'm burping to press up and to sit up, burping to press up and to sit up for months and months and months. Nothing's changing. Um, perhaps if you come out of your comfort zone and try something different, or even look at personal training. Um, I've done a lot of social this week on some recent uh, body transformation comparisons and that. I tell you now, personal training is absolutely where it's at. You know, you think you've got a level of conditioning. You think you know what you're doing in the gym. And hey, you might do. But an expert, expert, I say, like myself, Anisha, will help you get to that next level. Okay, so next subject, overtraining. And uh, one of my clients is certainly guilty of that. Now, just because they're a client of mine or a client of Nisha doesn't mean they're on some sort of leash and have become a robot. People are human beings, remember, and they still do what they feel is right. We're guides or Sherpas at the end of the day, and people still do what they, they, they feel is right. So, for example, this guy um, is doing two and three classes a day. Okay, that's exercise classes. Okay, and doing a training session with me. That is clearly overtraining. And what I've defined overtraining as <coughs> is doing too much physical exercise, not getting the right amount of nutrition in, and not getting enough rest. That's really the three main pointers that I would look at to say is the golden triangle when it comes to overtraining. And perhaps you can look at that yourself, okay? And some of the, uh, well, the main negatives of overtraining, which you'll be aware of yourself, is you're simply not advancing in your modality of what you choose as your exercise routine. You know, whether that's to lose weight or to put muscle on, anything like that. You've got to look at those three things. Is my nutrition on point? Am I getting enough rest? Am I doing too much? And I've said this before, and that you know, I've seen people come into the gym. They're still coming to the gym in the morning at six o'clock, and they're back in by sort of three o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't changed one bit. So overtraining everybody is a really, really bad thing. 
And, you know, if it's boxing training or golf or driving or anything like that, more is more, okay? More is better, okay? The more training you do, the better you'll be in it. I've always found from the bodybuilding perspective or a figure sculpting perspective, a weight training perspective, less is more, okay? 45 minutes to an hour, five times a week, so it's five hours a week, okay? is really optimal time for training, okay? And I don't have the exact figures for 2017, but certainly in 2013, the BBC published some figures. And the average person watched TV for two hours and 52 minutes a day. So what I'm talking about is getting your arse to the gym for 45 minutes to an hour a day, five hours a week, and you make massive results. But if you start overtraining, you start doing too much, you start sitting in the gym for two and a half, three hours, trying to touch every single machine that exists, not getting the right nutrition, doing too much cardiovascular on the back of it, not getting enough rest, you're just ice skating uphill. So you, you need to be conscious of what you're doing and, and try and compartmentalize. Am I doing enough? Could I do more? Am I doing too much? All right. Um, let's have a look. Okay, so Jim Rants these, possibly. Who knows? Um, I'm probably going to go on one of these a bit more detail in the future. I have got a, a, a good article I spent a lot of time researching um, on my website, and it's basically about young lads and steroids. Um, I say this now quite controversially, maybe to some people. I'm not against steroids at all, okay? Um, I would define myself as a bit of an expert in steroids as well, um, purely because I know a lot about them. I've got some books on them. It's another important component for me to be aware of in my industry, so I do know about them. Um, <clears throat> what I would say is that, you know, from a young person's perspective, they're just, I think it's getting out of hand. Okay, and I'm talking about your young lads getting ready to go on holiday with your disco muscles, and you can spot them a mile off, okay? You know, one week they start at the gym, three or four weeks later they've puffed up, and then you've got all the spots all over the backs and their, uh, and their shoulders and stuff. You can spot them a mile off, but they don't see it. And it's a real shame. The thing with steroids, you see, the main thing about steroids, uh, again, I'll do something more detailed in the future, is that the basic component of anabolic steroids is uh, artificial testosterone. And from a male perspective, okay, we produce testosterone. It's our uh, defining uh, hormone, whereas women, it's estrogen. And we produce that in our testes, okay? And when we inject uh, anabolic steroids, uh, we're injecting an artificial testosterone, okay? It's lab-made. So the body switches off its natural component of producing testosterone in favor of a higher dosage of artificial testosterone. Now, <clears throat> when young lads are sort of 15 up to the age of 22, 23, their bodies are on fire. They are a, a genetic furnace of all the best um, hormones for, for building muscle and everything like that. So to switch those off in the hope of building, you know, quality muscle by injecting um, fake testosterone is just—it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, and I'm a massive, massive no-no against it, okay, which is what prompted me to do an article on my website, and I tried to boost that in the area uh, through my Facebook page and that, but uh, Facebook wouldn't actually boost it, uh, and I did uh, write them a, a complaint about that, 
and said, look, at the subject matter, you know, we can't be seen to promote anything to do with steroids, etc., which I sort of get, but I'm trying to get the message out there. So disco muscles, young lads and steroids are an absolute no-no. And what I would suggest is that if you know anybody that's doing that, you know, it might be a polite idea to have that word because the knock-on effect of switching off your own testosterone at such an early age can have massive ramifications later on in life. Um, certainly while uh, with males are still growing, you know, up until 21, 22, it's this sort of um, inclusion of false testosterone which can stunt growth and create massive skin issues. Okay, and the, the final thing I, I want to talk about is, um, you know, the no excuses that go on you know, in some um, people. People that are willing to push that extra mile. People that are, are willing to go through any boundary it is in order to get where they want to be. And that can be mental and cognitive. That can be emotional as well. You know, I'm dealing with a client in the moment. You'll have heard of him, Chris, who's you know, got various things going on in his life. And he comes in five and six days a week. And, you know, if, if you just search uh, handicapped bodybuilders and look on Google Images and that, You'll see around the world, you know, incredible feats of, um, you know, strength and mental strength. People with no legs, one arm, one leg, for example, everything against them. And they're following the dream to get on stage and to be world class and world famous bodybuilders. And, and these people can bring a tear to my eye. And I've seen them in real life, you know, I've watched them train as well. You know, moving around the gym um, very, very slowly and meticulously in a wheelchair or on crutches. And you, you've seen loads of these images lately. You've probably seen them in CrossFit, you know, um, doing massive feats of strength. Hats off to these people. It shocks me how lazy some people are when they're gifted with full mobility and, you know, the ability to drive and get to the gym and that. And, and still really need to shit on other people um, because they choose to be effective or be an expert uh, or make achievement in their own lives, okay? And I come across this meme a few months ago, and I, and I just love it a bit, so I'm going to read it out to you. And you can see it on my social media if you scroll through Instagram, T4 underscore training. <clears throat> and it reads as this, excuse my French, Julie. It's not your programme. It's not your gym. It's not your friends. It's you. You're fucking soft and you don't want to do the work. That sums it up from my perspective. Okay. There should be no excuses. If you want to achieve something, you can achieve it. If you don't, don't. But don't go trolling and shitting on other people because they do achieve and they can help other people achieve. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is all I've got to say. So, thanks for listening. As always, I totally appreciate it. I'll be back soon. And just remember one thing. If it's not simple, it's not T4.